It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors in the Lake Country and serving you in all surrounding areas as well. Office in Greensboro, Georgia. Find us online at livingworth.com. And I have a feeling today's show is going to be really fun. So keep listening. You're not going to be disappointed. I guarantee it. We're going to have all sorts of elements of nostalgia, good advice for youngsters out there. I think it's going to be a great all-around show. Brian, good to be with you this week. How many pieces of pizza have you eaten so far this summer? Man, I made how many pizzas did we make last weekend? I think I did about uh, thirteen of them. 13? No, I didn't eat them all. I didn't eat them all. Uh, there were other people, other eaters involved. That's still an impressive amount of pizzas to make. Uh, so I've, I've got some uh, handy helpers or, or minions that I can put to work making the sauce and spreading the dough and. Doing the cleanup, so it's getting a little bit easier. Just like your business, you run things very efficiently, like a machine and with systems. At home, you've got lots of minions to help you out as well. And one of those minions, if it's okay to describe Hannah that way, Hannah Doe, joining us on the show today, taking time away from her uh, AP exam studies uh, to be a part of the show today. Hey, Hannah, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you? You didn't run off after being uh, described as a minion, so... No, still here. (laughs) If you want to go back to uh, Mickey's Playhouse, the handy helpers is what I often (laughs) refer to them as. So, Hannah, have you picked up uh, some pizza building skills over the years from that? Yes, I I make the sauce now. It's... Oh, it's a chore. He's like, hey, can you uh, make some sauce? I'm like, but it's it's worth it because the pizza's really good. (laughs) Uh, Well, very exciting. Well, uh, thanks for being with us, Hannah, and uh, we're going to involve you heavily as we go throughout today's show. Before we get into Don't Be Late to the Party, our title for today's episode, some of the things that you wish you knew maybe when you were 16, uh, looking back at how we learned things about money and earning and lessons that we can take forward or maybe pass to the next generation, to folks like Hannah as well. A quick announcement that episode 50 is coming up uh, as the next episode, Brian. And uh, you've got some great ideas and some fun that we're going to have to kind of celebrate hitting the half-century mark here on the podcast. Fabulous cash and prizes available. Yeah, it's a big milestone episode, and I think we're going to have some fun with it. So if you're listening to this one, make sure you come back for episode 50. It will be worth your while. We're going to tell, uh, I'll give you a little preview that part of the giving away of cash and prizes will be related to knowledge of things that we've talked about here on the podcast. All right, Brian, let's get into today's episode. Um, we want to talk about kids, young adults, the way that we view money, the way that we learn about money and kind of responsibility and some of the things that are all wrapped into that, savings and earnings and uh, lessons that we can pass forward as well. You know, we were talking before the show today about how um, there's this thing among a lot of young children before they kind of learn a lot of the more important money concepts where they kind of just think that money comes from the ATM, like the ATM is the provider of the money, not just a a vessel through which it gets transferred. But Mm -hmm. kind of like the old saying, money, you know, grows on trees or doesn't grow on trees. Well, in reality, kids are like, oh, go to the ATM and just pull some money out if we need some. Yeah, just just a bottomless supply of money there. Just just go get some more. Or or write a check. Just write a check. I still have checks in my checkbook, so there must be, you know. I, I, I said that to Mama one time. I said, at least it's not real money. <laughs> As when she was writing a check, and she said, what? <laughs> Isn't that good? I was going to ask if you even knew what a check was, Hannah. Um, 
at, at 16. I figured as little as I see them in my 30s, I imagine a 16-year-old's not coming across checks too often. Yeah, what do you, what do you guys use, Venmo or? Venmo. It's really, yeah. PayPal? Oh, yeah. Those? With my, my side jobs, I'm like, hey, what's your Venmo? I need to get a Venmo account. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She's using her mother's right now. But, uh, yeah, so, so many payment options out there these days. Yeah, checks, checks are um, kind of a yesteryear phenomenon. You still, still see a few of them around. Well, that's one thing with technology, right, Brian, is uh, these things can be scary sometimes, but at the same time, if we leverage them in the right way, they can help teach folks better money principles um, and try and help connect some of these uh, different concepts. And I think that's like Venmo is one of those things where we can actually use that to help empower people to take more control of their finances, um, put money in their hands a little bit. We did that. We don't have kids yet, but we did this thing just for our own budgeting purposes. At one point, um, it's a company called Family Zoo, and they do like uh, family prepaid cards. But you can control all the cards from your own portal, so you don't have to like go to the bank and open up various accounts. So you can have, okay, this card is for me. This one's for my wife. This one's for our kids. Uh, for you know, for each kid can have their own card, and then you control you know the budget that gets put onto the cards. So they're learning then the use of a card in today's society, but still with the controls and constraints of it being essentially like handing them a $20 bill or handing them an allowance. Yeah, we, we've got uh, something like that. It's, it's called Greenlight, uh, and it's a Greenlight card and account, and you, you can link it up, and you can put uh, different amounts for spend anywhere. You can have a savings amount, and then the parent still has control over moving the money from the parents wallet or the savings account to the spend account and that that has actually been uh, pretty helpful right you, you, oh yeah you still use the the green light card right mm-hmm. our one you forget your wallet no <laughs> <laughs> yeah hannah's had to bail me out a couple times when i forgot my wallet i'm like i'll pay you back i promise i think the key point though is that it, it doesn't really matter the the vehicle whether it's cash check charge you know or electronic payment system it's just there's a definite lack of teaching children about money, how to manage it, how to appreciate it. And we you know, really do live in such a, a time of abundance. It's, it's very easy to just take the shortcut and, and um, you know, buy kids stuff, hand them stuff. And I, I see that happening a lot. But what I did early on with, uh, with, with my girls was I made them earn the money for their first iPad. Right, everybody wants the iPad. Hannah, you remember this? Oh don't yeah, you? oh yeah. We had the <laughs> thermometer chart to get to three hundred, and to to a third grader, that was like, oh my gosh, three hundred dollars! I'll never get there. It seemed like an astronomical. Oh, yeah, and and they got money for grades. They got money from friends and and grandparents for birthdays, and you know, so they had plenty of cash flowing in. There there was no there were no gimmies. Whoever got to three hundred first got their iPad first, and so it created a incentive then that oh i my sister got one so then uh, i think natalie went out and shook some pine straw and i mean everybody was trying to do anything they could to get to that 300 number but you know what no one ever lost or carelessly handled those ipads and they were young and and you know to to this day they take very good care of their stuff and uh appreciate the value of it so it's it's never too early to start imparting these concepts and and there's you know, any number of ways to do it. But um, I think it's increasingly important because they're not getting this stuff in school curriculums or, or even college for that matter. 
That's a great point. Uh, we not only learn these things when we're young, Brian, but we get even more detail and more lessons instilled in us when we actually then kind of kind of get that first true job. Uh, it kind of takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, I, I actually remember the first dollar. It might have even been two that I earned, and I was probably six or seven years old, and I was in Nebraska at the time. Big snowstorm. My neighbor was trying to shovel out, and I grabbed my shovel and went over and was just helping him out. I just I had, I had a lot of energy as a kid, and I didn't expect anything from it. But he he gave me a, like two dollars, and man, and that was like you know nineteen seventy three or four or whatever it was. That was big money, man. You could buy a lot of candy for two dollars, and I thought, hey, that was kind of cool. You know, I do this to it actually make some money, and then uh, you know, probably age twelve, I got a paper route and I worked at the grocery store and then I was the photo coordinator for the school yearbook and actually had a gig where I got paid two hours a day to, to come to school and manage the photos and the, the photographers and the equipment and ordering the supplies. And it, it was good responsibility. But um, then I used that to earn a lot of side cash on sports photos and did a couple of weddings and and sold the little team photos to to all the sports teams. And I made a ton of money when I was a junior, senior in high school, but nobody really taught me to save, invest. My my grandfather had done a really good job of teaching me to balance my checkbook. He sat me down one summer and was like, I learned to balance a checkbook to the penny every time, no excuses, but there was no discipline or long-term perspective. And so while I balanced the checkbook very well, I also spent everything that came through. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's important to to teach kids about investing, time value of money, delayed gratification. Uh, those are not fun concepts to to learn. If I'd taken just a couple of steps back then of of saving a percentage, consistently buying into even like a mutual fund or something like that, it can make a huge difference in the long term. If you want to talk to the kids about money, you got to know the the, the jargon. Am, am I right, Hannah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what I would have called my part-time job or work study if you're in college, the millennial generation is now calling their side hustle. So if, if you hear somebody talking about their side hustle or, or they may have their primary job, but they've always got like a second source of income, a backup source of income. And to me, there's a benefit in that adjustment um, because part-time job is ver- sounds very formal, you know. Right. They're, they're like there's still a W two involved, and a company still has to take risk to bring you on, and you need a company to hire you for your part-time job. Mm-hmm. The side hustle has so much more flexibility, and you can have a side hustle before you get to you know legal working ages and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you can start these things when you're in your early teens or whenever you want, really. And yeah, and they also it, inhabit this like really entrepreneurial spirit as well, which I think is beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I think if you just got an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit and uh, a willingness to show up, yeah, good, good, good stuff will happen. And like like, like a foot in the door, just yeah. to kind of yeah, absolutely start working, get a feel for showing up and doing something. What are some of these other buzzwords? What other things in the Doe household are getting tossed around? All right, so if you were doing well in my generation, we would say you're killing it. You and I are a little bit apart in age, but you you know what I mean by that. Like, you know, if you're if you're killing it, you're you're doing great. That's a that's actually a good thing, right? I remember having to explain to my parents a couple of times that that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, kill, you're killing it, and they were like, "Huh?" They're like, it, "It's a good thing." <laughs> 
So, so then I was talking to some uh, friends of mine, actually uh, a former coworker, more of the millennial generation, and they said that the the term that they would use is big mood. Big I, mood. That one passed yeah, can, me. I didn't. All right. Can you have a big mood? Do I need to? Yeah, Hannah, translate okay, that for so us. So a big mood. It's like if you're just in a good place in your life, you're on the beach in your sunglasses, just relaxing, or you're just like in a in a good state of mind. It's a big mood. It's like you want to be there. A mood is a climate. Okay. If, of your life, if that, <laughs> if that helps. No, that does. That yeah. actually helps a lot. We're thinking in terms of months, not days, when yeah. it comes to big mood. Yeah, or or even years. I mean, I think Brian here is um he's at a mood in his life. I mean, he's like he's kind of cruising. You know, he's he's got his podcast. He's got a nice job. Just a good little flow going. I like I've that the pod- I like that the podcast came first. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's that's a, that's key. I've got my own driver now, and and also doubles mm-hmm. as my driver, there so that's go. one of her uh, unpaid internships. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah, you need to assign a dollar value to that activity. It sounds like to I me. should. I get I get about six hours a week of driving, mm-hmm. yeah. and you got to keep him safe. I mean, that's an important job. You've got lots of. Lots of good fodder there for uh, maybe maybe an increase from zero to something at least. Yeah, actually, that's another way to like put it for like my generation. Like being in a good like a big mood is like on your grind. That's you're just like overall doing well. You're just like grinding life. You know, I, that's, it sounds weird to explain, but like I say, like I'm on my grind when I'm like making money. I'm like been able to work out a lot, making good grades, and I'm just like overall in a good like headspace. Yeah. So, are you on your grind, Walter? Oh, I'm always on my grind. <laughs> I've been a I've been a big mood since I walked into that radio station for the first time at 16. So very good. <laughs> I've been doing exactly what I've been wanting to do ever since then, pretty much. All right, yeah. So if you're if you're big mood or you're on your grind, things are going well. On the flip side, if you have a setback, I would have always said, well, back to square one. But millennials, when when they have a setback, it's called back up on your bowl s b s. So if you hear someone say they're back up on their BS, it means, oh, this didn't work out. I'm have to back up. You know, yeah, I have to start over. And I thought that one was kind of funny and I got a chuckle out of it. Yeah, that's a weird one. <laughs> or I think people are trying to be like positive and very like oovy groovy. Like, well, this is the universe telling me I don't, I don't need to do that. You're just, you know, you're just like, you know, but you're disappointed. Right. right. There were, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the song, but uh, Driving and Crying was a popular Southern band. And they, one of their first songs was called Scarred But Smarter. And I think that's, that, that song always sort of captured yeah. it. It's sort of like, you're down, but you're not out. It, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off and. Uh, Scarred, but smarter. Get, get, get back, get back on track. So. So, so Hannah's going to help us with these next ones. Okay. So, which are all on the same vein. Yeah, on the same. So, there's, okay. Have you seen the money bag emoji? This is very crucial to this. Sure, with the dollar sign in the bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you say, like, I'm in my bag. I'm, if you're like making a lot of money, no, it's not investing. You're just getting your bag up. Yeah. It's like, I'm like when they get a job and they're like, no, I'm like, I'm in my bag. It just. Yeah, you're you're doing good, or, or, or like you can pay for everything that you want to pay for. Starbucks, you're like, no, I'm I'm in, I'm in my bag, so it's I got it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that. So anyway, hope, hopefully some of that jargon and slang will help you, uh, you know, make, make sense of what the next generation is saying, or if you wanna, if you, if you wanna really make them uh, cringe, use it wrong, 
and it, it, you'll get a good laugh out of it. So all that at least will help open up the conversation or make the conversation about money more effective, Brian. What are some of the actual tangible things that we can look at for uh, the younger generation as they want to learn some money lessons, learn some working lessons? And unlike you, who didn't prepare for saving and what to do in the long term with those funds and with that money, you know, what, what, can, what can a teenager do or somebody who's in the early working years of their life do to start seriously thinking about, hey, I'm working hard for this money. I am uh, – hold on. Let me scroll back up to our list that we've created here. I'm I'm on my grind. I've got my side hustle, and right. I, I want to make sure that I don't go back on my BS. Um, you know, what <laughs> well, you, what are you, some? <laughs> you learned those. You do, you're doing great, Walter. I think you got those. <laughs> what can somebody do to uh, to accomplish those goals? What are some tangible things we can go after? Obviously, you know, so that we can come and in balance. Clutch. I had to write. Right, right. <laughs> there, you, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah, but budgeting, uh, checkbooks, and, and all that stuff. Now, whether it's a debit card, uh, Venmo. I really worry about people not getting the sense of like the, the tangible amounts of money be, because everything's been digitized. It, it exists in the ether. And, and so uh, sometimes it's good to come back down to cash and or a checkbook and just uh, really see physical, tangible money uh, so that it resonates. Because the, the research that has been done in behavioral finance, when you pay cash, there's a pain to separating with that cash. Yeah, I but, feel it. You feel it, oh, right. Yeah. But when you pay with a card, it's it's sort of an intangible, it's it's sort of like funny money. Like, like, and like it, a little ghost, just you're like, oh wait, it's fine. It's, it's painless, nice. yeah. yeah. Just uh, not I don't totally know. painless. Not but, totally painless, but it's it makes it a little easier when you can't see it like leaving your fingertips. Right, and, and it doesn't seem like there's an end to it. Like with with cash yeah. in your pocket, when you see it running out, man, it's running out. There's there's not going to be any more. Oh yeah. With credit cards and uh, especially with credit cards, where you can continue spending up uh, and and building up a balance, that, that's just dangerous. So I think if if uh, one of the first lessons that I've sat down and, and taught Hannah so far is really about compound interest and how money grows. So we've actually set up a uh, investment account with the intention that this is going to be money for college. And I've, I've done some of my financial advisor wizardry on my, for my income and hiring her. She's helping out here at the, at the office, helping me make some videos and things. So uh, she gets paid and that pay goes straight into a brokerage account. And so we've started investing, uh, picking individual stocks, watching this grow. But when we were calculating the time value of money, Hannah was in algebra last year. You just did geometry this year. Well, I showed her the compound interest formula, and we calculated what a dollar invested today would grow to. But then if you earn interest on that interest, and then you also continue to add to it, it was very, very eye-opening. To oh, yeah. It made it more interesting because I was like, okay, now it's money, not oranges right it's it's how much i'm making not how many pieces of cake sally needs to make <laughs> right or, or a's b's x's and y's and yeah in, in a formula it was dollars it, yeah and then we talked about the difference between doing 401ks and roths and roth iras right or yeah iras and roth iras right and, yeah. and, and under which tax circumstances you know it, it would be better to do the two so these are things that, that we can probably build out and, and, and share more, but 
I think understanding what time can do to money that's invested and let grow. Uh, we should all be millionaires. I mean, we really should. Uh, and if it just was a matter of uh, starting early, putting your money in something that you uh, don't touch and, and let it grow and, and compound. We have to but, teach the opposite of that concept, though, right, Brian? What, what do you mean? Of compound interest working for you. There's also ways that interest works against you. Oh, well, yeah, certainly. If, if you use debt and the credit card and you're paying interest, it's crazy the amount of uh, debt people take out for college. They put on credit cards and uh, they buy expensive cars. It's so easy to get financing. And uh, especially in today's environment, interest rates are, are super low. So people are buying more house, more car, more, you know, they, you can buy furniture, you can get two years, same as cash. And, and if you can actually get it paid off in those two years, th th those are actually smart things to do. But so many people do them with, with no actual emergency fund or, or money in the bank. So Th Those can be tougher lessons to teach, though, in, in kind of your format of cre finding creative ways to teach you know, these various money savings lessons. Have you tried teaching to your kids at all that, that reverse of, of lending money and, and charging an interest and, and trying to drive that concept home at all? We haven't quite gotten to that one yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting with the basics. And uh, so, like, what is a stock? What is a mutual fund? And, and th these are all the things that are coming. So she understands the compound interest and savings. And we've set a target for how much we want to have available for a you know uh, college expenditure. And then it, that way we can evaluate, is college worth spending this much money on? Do we want to go in state or out of state? Do we, can we want to go somewhere where we can get a scholarship or uh, do we want to go to a fancy private school? It's all, it's all going to depend on now what could that money, if I'm going to spend 50 or 100 or $200,000 on a college degree, what would that grow to over the next 30 or 40 years as opposed to spending it? And, and I think that helps put into perspective and hold some accountability to do, do I want to spend this much on college or do I want to spend this much on a first house or do I want to spend this much on a car? And Warren Buffett was always, uh, he, he was one that was always, whatever his wife spent money on, he always would calculate the future value of that. And, and he's like, well, that's like spending, you know, the X thousands of dollars on a, you know, whatever. And, and you know, it was a piece of furniture and, or a car or whatever, and always making people feel bad about spending. We don't want to do that. But if you can, spend or if you can do your savings first and make sure you're on target for what you're trying to accomplish then then it's easier to say okay now go ahead and spend the rest so getting into the specific investments what's an exchange traded fund what what's an individual stock and a bond th those are all lessons that are coming for him uh, all for you to look forward to hannah yeah, it just makes it, I guess, since it's money, I'm like, oh, no, now I'm intrigued. It's uh, <laughs> Money gets people's attention a whole lot better. Oh, yeah, than homework. The, yeah, than, yeah, than just generic concepts. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I very quickly liked going to work much more than I liked going to school uh, once I started some of those first jobs. That was, yep. that was definitely a new frontier kind of feeling and uh, can, can be motivating for a large majority of the population. That, that's what makes our country run, right, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. Then the other thing that is going to flow from that is we're going to have to begin filing tax returns and you know understanding what the form 1040 is, what the federal taxes are, state taxes are, FICA, Medicare, 
capital gains taxes. And, and just so, as you get interested in money, you get disinterested in it once all that comes yeah. out. <laughs> it, it's like that episode in Friends when uh, Rachel first gets a job. She's working as a cafe waitress, so she's really not making that much. And she goes, why do all these FICA guys get all my money? And, <laughs> and everyone's looking at each other like, oh, she doesn't get it, you know? <laughs> so I'll have a better under, uh, understanding than Rachel Green yep. about money, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I even said something about like last week and I was just I'm done with school I'm towards the end of the year so I'm like really burnt out I said I think I don't want to sound like one of those kids who's like oh the real world's going to be awesome but I think I'll like going to work better than school and he's like oh for sure because you're getting paid you're in your own you know and, yeah hopefully and doing something that you enjoy yeah, that you, enjoy. you selected and is, is your choice. All right. So given everything we've taken in today from learning some new lingo and uh, terribly trying to use it uh, right off the bat to some of these different things that you've certainly taught your own kids about, what are some action steps for those who are listening to the show today? Maybe uh, I'm sure we have a few you know, youthful listeners out there, but uh, very likely some of your clients and uh, folks who are maybe even in retirement or close to it, but maybe looking to that next generation, ways that they can maybe help their kids or, or their grandkids and some way. I've had a lot of interest lately in people wanting to gift stock. The stock market has done well, so people have some appreciated positions. They want to impart that to their children, grandchildren. Uh, And so I've I've been setting up a lot of custodial accounts. Now, if you're under 18, you can't open your own brokerage account. You may, I'm not sure how it works banking wise. Maybe you can open a, a checking account. I know I had checking and savings accounts when I was 14, 15, 16, but uh, there, there may be some different regulations on it. But for a brokerage account, you have to have a custodial account. So a parent has to be on there. And um, at age 18 or at age 21, you can you can pick, you relinquished your role as custodian and then the money becomes theirs. But for tax filing purposes and, and for management and teaching, uh, the custodial account works great because you can buy all of the different uh, investment types. You can add to it. You can gifting, I guess, would be sort of the next step. So if you've, if you've set up the custodial account, you can gift up to $15,000 per year to a child or grandchild. And if you've got grandparents or parents, each one can gift 15000 So if you really want to go crazy, you could do thir- up to $30,000 per year. You may want to question the wisdom of uh, giving large amounts of money into a custodial account like that because it does become theirs at at that, whether it's 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever age you choose, it's theirs. So there's no controls and, and regulation on it. So you want to make sure that you have built in responsible habits before you start uh, giving unencumbered gifts and, and, and dollar balances like that. Uh, then another one would be if, if you own your own business, you can actually put your children on the payroll. And uh, that's what we're we're doing with Hannah here. She's been in some videos with me. She does some behind-the-scenes work, editing, and, and increasingly is going to do uh, a little bit more to kind of have an internship. But also uh, I'm able to pay her, which is a deduction for me. She's taxed at a lower rate than I am. So there's a little bit of a tax advantage to, to doing that. So think about that if you've got – you, you you actually have to have something justifiable for them to to do that if the IRS checks it out you want to make sure it's a you know, they're legitimately earning the money uh, but you, you can pay up to ten or twelve thousand dollars a year and if you do that over the course of a number of years you know we've got 
our trajectory of what a college fund, or if we don't spend it all on college, wedding, houses, or if we don't spend it on those, what it could ultimately grow to in retirement. So good little lesson, practical lesson. It's going to be a backup fund and, uh, and, and work really well. And then the other one I'm going to surprise Hannah with right now, she's been making all this making bank, making my, what, what in all, all my grind. She's on her grind. And, and so, uh, she's got all this money coming in and she's got her eye on some things that she wants to buy. And she's you know, rightfully deserved it. She's had, had a hard year this year. She's worked hard. She's gotten a lot smarter. She's very impressive. But I'm going to say, if you want to buy something that's a hundred dollars, you also have to invest or add a hundred dollars to your brokerage account. So everything will become twice as expensive in some regard, because you'll actually have to save half and then spend half. So if uh, if you can get that kind of discipline going when you're not having to pay rent, food, utilities, insurance, and you know pay for all the minions running around, then <laughs> when you do actually get out and get a job, you'll have at least established a discipline of saving a percentage of your money. And uh, you know, that that habit will serve you well in the long term. You, you may not be able to maintain a 50% uh, savings rate over the course of your working life, but if you can at least establish the habit early, that's going to pay big dividends in the future. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And if it goes down to 10 or 15 or 20%, that's still a very juicy savings rate for uh, com- compared to the American average. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that will compound over time to, to give you a very secure, self-reliant retirement, we call it. I think uh, one time in school, we it was like a homework assignment. We had to read an article about like our generation um, not saving anything really and just trying to keep up with the Joneses and like post and you have mm-hmm. like a very nice like face life, I guess, like just a yeah. public life. And but the problem with that was they weren't saving anything to invest at all and they didn't have anything for retirement or mm-hmm. like still don't have anything saved for retirement. And reading that, I was like, oh, gosh, I should probably, like, start saving now because I've even seen some, like, commercials for, like, I don't know, some Charles Schwab, maybe anything, where it's um, what age did you want to start saving for retirement and what age did you actually start saving for retirement? There were, like, 20-year gaps, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, that's Mm -hmm. scary to me. So I'm glad that I'm in this, so I'm, like, learning how to manage money early on. It'll serve you well. You do it right. And it's a great habit to have it. And and again, if I when I look back, if, if somebody had just said, Hey, let's open you up a you know, an American funds, mutual fund, stick hundred dollars a week in there, uh, or or fifty dollars a week, twenty five dollars, whatever the number is, I mean th- that can literally grow to uh hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over the over time. Sometimes we'll, we'll, it's hard we'll to see that, that distance though, uh, Brian, when you're when you're sixteen, seventeen, eighteen your 30s feel really far away, but as someone who has recently entered their, you know, for a few years now into their 30s, 16 was just the other day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was in a blink of an eye when you look back, even if it feels like it's miles away when you look forward. So just keep that in mind. Um, you will be very happy with yourself if you uh, stay disciplined in the early going. So yeah. sounds like you're learning all sorts of good lessons from Dad, as we would expect here, Hannah. So. Keep up the good work on your part, and we've taken you away from your AP studies probably way too long at this point. So oh, get, it's fine. I need a good get break. back on get back on the school grind now. Um, 
and uh, and do a good job on your on your tests coming up. And any exciting plans for uh, for your summer this year? I've got a whole lot of nothing booked. I'm going to go out on the lake, go to jujitsu, literally a whole lot of nothing planned. Um, I just want to relax this summer. She's earned it. Earned it. I know the last year for anybody in, in a school setting, it must have been really tough. So congrats on uh, making it through that. And what it sounds like, still thriving, which is great oh, as yeah. well. Well, Brian, I know that you have a lot of uh, clients who often reach out to you looking for advice, guidance on how to teach the next generation um, money principles or how to help out people that are in their families. And so hopefully today's show gave a lot of good lessons. But I know that folks are also more than welcome to give you a call if they want to talk about some of those things or if they just want to talk about their own finances, as always, here on the show. You can get a 15-minute introductory call with Brian to see how we can maybe bring some clarity to your financial goals and so that you can live that lifestyle that you want as uh, Hannah might say, uh, so that you can um, be be big mood in retirement. So if you okay. want retirement to be a big mood, give yes. Brian a call. There you go. Yes. Boom. All right. 706-451-9800 <laughs> is the number. 706-451-9800 or livingworth.com. You can certainly click there, book a call, and uh, have a conversation, livingworth.com. Or check him out on his Snapchat and his uh, – no, I'm just kidding. You don't have all those <laughs> newfangled social media things, right, Brian? I've got an Instagram account, but it's mostly just pictures of the kids. So There you go. There you go. Uh, no, livingworth.com, the best place to go, or give a call to that number we mentioned. And we'll put contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Well, Brian and Hannah, thanks for being with us on the show today. This was a lot of fun, and uh, Hannah will have to bring you back around after you've learned some more of these uh, money lessons here in a year or two. Before you go off to college, we'll see what's what's been accomplished over the next couple of years. Oh, for sure. Okay. But yeah, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for Brian, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you again next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Don't forget, next episode, we're giving away prizes and uh, cash prizes, giveaways. Uh, lots of fun things coming up for episode 50 next time on Make the Dough Rise. We'll see you then. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.